Hello and welcome to Season 4. It's a podcast that seeks to encourage and inspire you on your journey. So today's guest is someone who I've known for a number of years and uh, he's uh, someone who listens to the podcast. So he's, he's, he's like all of us. He's a fan of the guests that we have and uh, finally have twisted his arm to be on this because he's a person who is um, uh, one of the unsung heroes that is uh, uh, changing the world. Uh, and when we ask, what does it look like for the kingdom of God to be revealed in our spheres of influence? It's what he does by using what's in his hand, or in a better ways, using his skills and his abilities to change the world to a better place. Um, when you get to listen to this, you'll suddenly it will become a lot more clearer. But as you listen to this, just bear this in mind: do not undervalue what you have because you can do amazing things with the places that you're involved with. Well, we are now with my next guest and um, it's with a huge um, uh, delight. And I have a bit of a, a cheeky grin on my face as uh, we are with um, a friend of mine who I've known, um, now how long is it? It's, it's now, almost two years and uh, it's with Nigel Priestley MBE and I always like to put the, uh, the, the bit at the end just because well you, you uh, someone said you did something awesome and you said yeah right and you got a medal and it's, you can put it on your card and it's a big deal it's not everyone who gets a bit of uh, glitter like that is it well, I am um, uh, for the Queen's funeral. We had a uh, proclamation of the King, wow. and my wife said, "Nigel, you've got to put that medal on." Come on. So we went down. I live in a village of about ten thousand people. Um, being Yorkshire, we had the brass band, of course. and um, we had a Deputy Lord uh, Lieutenant, and uh, we stood and proclaimed uh, King Charles as King uh, Charles the Third. And uh, yeah, it was good. It was good. It's um, uh, it was one of those things that a bit like Mary Poppins, really, it sort of blew him off the wind. Uh, getting the MB it was a total surprise to me. And um, the funny thing was that um, I'm a solicitor. We have a uh, a robust email uh, uh, defence system that eats up anything that uh, dare step out of line. And uh, I got this email at the beginning of December, or when it would be, it would be December twenty. Oh yeah, which, which was marked. Um, um, what was it? Uh, NY NYH uh, NYH twenty one with an attachment. Mm-hmm. Well, of course, anybody who deals with attachments knows that uh, it could be anything. So uh, I thought I can't open this. So I contacted our security. They said, "Oh, we haven't seen anything quite like this before." So I um, uh, clicked on it and uh, emailed back and said, um, "Is this a scam?" Because of course, it was, uh, because of course, this was a time of COVID, and uh, prior to COVID, everybody got nice cream envelopes with a nice uh, uh, logo on top, but nobody was sending from authority. So eventually, so they said, "No, it's not a scam." And by the way, you have to reply by this was on Tuesday morning. You have to reply by Thursday if you uh, if you'd like it. So that's, that's uh, so. So it could have got. It could have got. <laughs> it could have got lost in the junk mail. Goodness gracious! 
Goodness gracious. I was reading um, uh, Alan Rickman was uh, was awarded one and, and sent a plight saying thanks, but no thanks, which I thought was extraordinary for, for, for yeah. who he was. He was his little um, uh, um, diary before his passing and, you know, over the years, etc. such a character. But anyway, look, we, um, uh, you and I, we became friends uh well, I, I'll be interested to hear about this because I um, we we've become friends because of Canada, yeah. um, and we went away for four days to a country a bazillion miles away uh, at minus fifteen to meet a bunch of randoms um, to see what it looked like to disciple a city, and all of us. Well, what was your expectations when when you heard about this trip? And then what was your decision to go, yeah, right, I'll go along? Because that's a crazy, yeah, right. You know what I mean? It was um, it tipped onto the, onto the verge of bonkersness to, <laughs> uh, to fly to Toronto uh, with a whole random group of people. I think what attracted me was the idea of uh, kindness. So what mm. it was sold on was the basis of... Uh, uh, this church had gone into uh, downtown yeah. uh, and was trying to develop the town as a, or the city as a city of kindness. Yeah. yeah. And uh, as to how they had done it, what they had done, mm. uh, I think what struck me most about the trip actually was uh, the the random group of people with whom uh, I travelled, and mm. all of them, all of whom were doing something really quite interesting. So, so I learnt. From going to Canada, adapt as it was, going from Friday to Friday to Monday, uh, it wasn't like just a, a trip up uh, to uh, you know up to the Dales for a weekend. Oh. Um, but I think it was uh, listening to people who'd, who'd had a go yeah. and um, uh, had tried something and had tried something in a failed model in a, in an area that had been that had been failed. And I think most of us have got town centres at the moment that are like that. Yeah, so yeah. I think we probably all went searching slightly for a holy grail to come away uh, with something that we might be able to apply locally. Yeah. Uh, but as I said, I think uh, meeting you, uh, meeting some really interesting people from Sheffield, meeting the uh, uh, from Chelmsford, I think that uh, was uh, equally challenging. It was equally good and, uh, and also uh, a lot of work being done in Wakefield. So it was finding out what other people are doing, and um, yeah, I, I, so I learned. I, so I learned a lot from it. But I think it's about being with people who are trying to make a difference that's important. Yeah, yeah absolutely. I think um, we we bumped into each other at Greenbelt, didn't we? And I was chatting to um, uh, a chap called Corin, who who heads up a thing called Sanctuary UK, and. Uh, and he he'd been going to it for years and years and years, and it was one. It was I'd never been to Greenbelt, and I bumped into him at the event, and it was like, "What are you doing?" Here? He said, "Oh, I'm just here for the day. I'm seeing friends." It's like, wow. And um, and then I saw you, and and I was chatting with Corin, and he he was saying, "What did you think of it?" And I said, "Well, Greenbelt's strange because where you have all the other conferences, that's very much about." Uh, teaching and encouraging and refreshing and and so the thing about Greenbelt is that it puts people on fringes or people on different spiritual journeys into a place of yeah but what's 
does your faith then look like in in a world setting where we are we're cl- we're crashing against lots of tensions whether it be climate change whether it be digital whether it be um different forms of spirituality or or um sexuality and so on and so forth for me what what was very very interesting is that uh there were a lot of people who had turned up to greenbelt on their own you know that and and yet quite low well, I, I i i went to the second greenbelt with my with my wife so that was so we have been through um uh, all sorts of geysers. Um, mm. At one point, they had uh, the likes of David Watson still coming and doing uh, talks. But I think it was, uh, um, particularly in its in its early days, um, it was around the time of CND. For those who remember yep. those uh, those days, and by the way, uh, you know, with President Putin, we might be re remembering CND very quickly. Yeah. Um, and it was uh, there was some. Fantastic speakers with Bruce Kent, Paul Striker, but um, the king of the ball was a guy called Jim Wallace, who set up Sojourners in uh, in America. Okay. And uh, Jim Wallace, uh, who has just retired, I think, from Sojourners, really came along and spoke uh, from that position of being both an evangelical with a real heart for God, uh, but also a heart for justice. Yeah. And uh, the bane of the church remains, by and large. That we can't get those two bits together. Yeah. Um, we are pretty good, perhaps uh, less good. Uh, depends on how you view it. At, um, at faith and it's perhaps at spirituality. Mm. But can we, as uh, people of faith uh, who come from a, an evangelical background, actually translate that into um, transforming uh, the world in which we live? Mm. And uh, I think. Uh, I mean, we may get onto it but, because I stood for Parliament. But what I despair over is uh, um, when I was standing for Parliament, I went to a house church and uh, I was sharing about the importance of um, uh, of transformation. And yeah. they said, well, of course, you know, uh, it's it's Romans. You know, um, when I was at CU, I said, don't let the world around squeeze you into its own mold. Uh, let Christ renew your life from within. Uh, I think it was the song. But the reality is, in my experience, is that our faith sits on top of our prejudice. Yeah. And, uh, uh, and uh, that might be being a bit harsh, uh, but, but uh, um, the Jim Wallaces of this world still are few and, few and far between. Uh, and, uh, and so to go then uh, and to, 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 to have your faith poked and prodded uh, from, different, from, from different perspectives, uh, was really good, and I think it's an exercise which which needs to be done. I, I mean, just by way of background, without threatening, uh, uh, the, the problem with Christians, certainly when I was standing, and that was 1987 to 1997, was that you did um, abortion, uh-huh. keep Sunday special, and uh, uh, perhaps uh, might be a bit of tear fun uh, as well. But it was very, it, it was, uh, the Christian issues were kept to, to, to what you might call a, a very narrow. And of course, Jubilee came out and that was good. Yeah. But, yeah. Um, but the Jim Wallace was, uh, was very much along the lines of um, uh, the church is good at, at seeing people drowning and, and, uh, 
uh, and pulling them out of the water and trying to, to dry them off. But nobody asks, um, why are they entering the water first of all? Yeah. Uh, who's throwing them in? Uh, it's all very good at just rescuing them. And I think it was Dom Helder Kamara. Was it Dom Helder Kamara? He said, uh, uh, when, uh, when I feed the poor, uh, they call me a saint. When I ask why they're hungry, uh, they call me a communist. And, and so we're good at the, in the church at, uh, or have been good. And so food banks are a good example of uh, uh, how we respond to an emergency. Uh, but, and for me, and of course this might betray something in my politics, uh, to see government ministers celebrating their local food bank without saying, hang on a minute, you know, austerity's caused this. Uh, you know, why is our local food bank in this last couple of weeks suddenly experiencing uh, a sudden surge? Um, but it's good to have the kindness of people to meet that, but maybe saying, hang on a minute, these electricity bills and this inflation is a killer. Uh, so, um, so I think in the, in the church sometimes we get the care and the love bit right. It's absolutely right that we're at the forefront of... Uh, uh, of, of food banks. What we don't get right and we don't get enough of is uh, saying, uh, saying to government, saying, uh, actually, what is it that's creating this situation? Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, that, and, and it just, which is so helpful you shared that because, you know, as, as regular listeners know, I'm, I'm, the, I'm, I'm a, a very strong uh, advocate of the Ecclesia theology, which um essentially we we are blessed to be a blessing we're there to influence those our spaces and spheres of influence and when we when we uh, met and then i heard a wee bit more about you i was then very interested to hear about your work and how you use essentially fueled and inspired by your faith to then start to shape the the these these epochs these landscapes that of which you traverse why don't you tell our, our listeners a, a, um, a wee bit about what is your commercial background and then what that has then, uh, how that has then been shaped and influenced to what you have done in terms of answering that question of uh, challenging the status quo to, to be a better world from where it was yesterday. Okay, so I suppose I came to faith just before going to university. I went to Warwick University and I uh, um, was involved with the Christian Union. And I suppose I did all the traditional stuff in the sense that um, I went and heard Jim Packer and I uh, worried myself uh, uh, to death about uh, um, Calvinism. And I had two people resign from the uh, Christian Union because they decided I was an Arminian. Uh, and uh, at that stage, as, uh, oh, that's um, as uh, oh, somebody who hadn't the slightest clue really what either an Armenian or a, or a Calvinist was, it was an interesting experience. But actually, towards the end of my time at university, I was in Coventry. And for those who remember, the Fisher folk came and Graham Polkingham. And uh, that was a time when, uh, uh, around the time also of the charismatic movement, people began to be much more aware of um, uh, the sense of uh, the importance of community. Uh, I suppose there was the evangelical sense of the John Stotts and, of course, the importance of uh, uh, individual faith. But also David Watson was, um, uh, he was moving into some sort of community in New York, which he found a bit testing at times. 
But this whole sense of us actually not just doing the um, uh, quiet time at the start of the day and that being being sufficient. We had an obligation towards one another. And I um, ended up, after I left university, I, I to my surprise, I came back to Huddersfield, which is where I'm based. Mm-hmm. And um, to my complete surprise, uh, I ended up living in a vicarage in the village in which I in which I live, where um, uh, the the vicar Eddie Roberts, who's a, a saint of a man, he had to be to have me come and live with him, and his wife Pam uh, took me in. And for eighteen months, we began to explore issues around uh, faith being about community, about uh, uh, about being much more open to one another than having responsibility. I became involved. Um, we had we had a liberal uh, for those who remember the liberal party. We oh, yeah. had a, we were in a liberal constituency with a really good guy called uh, Richard Wainwright, who was uh, a Quaker. He'd been a conscientious objector in the war, had, mm-hmm. had driven uh, ambulances, uh, but had built up the constituency uh, to become a liberal constituency. Mm-hmm. Um, and around that time, I suppose I got uh, I, I I got involved in in uh, in local politics. I became the parliamentary candidate. Uh, to my uh, joy and delight, they, they, they really realigned the uh, constituency. Uh-huh. So the board has changed and suddenly we went from being a Lib Lab constituency to a Lib Con. And in uh, uh, 1987, I stood managed to lose the constituency by uh, just under 1,600 votes. Wow. I stood again in, in, in 92 and 97. Yeah. And, and I learned then again about uh, the importance of uh, uh, building teams and of uh, uh, of trying to make a difference. And so my thoughts were uh, a lot around how you challenge, how you bring about uh, change. And um, I, I suppose if I was to, if there was... Uh, to be a phrase written on my tombstone, it would be he enjoyed sticking his finger in the eye of authority, um, <laughs> and uh, um, and I now don't regret. I don't regret uh, standing. I don't regret yeah. the lessons I learned. I le- <laughs> I learned how to write a press relief release, no more than fourteen words and never more than two syllables. And um, I learned about telling stories. Uh, but I went from a, uh, so I was doing all this whilst being a solicitor, uh, and I went from the largest firm in Huddersfield to the smallest, and, uh, and we began building a, a, a um, court work department. So in my time, I've done everything from boundary disputes to, to murders through to. Wow. And then, um, as in life, you become more and more focused, and as in work, you become more and more focused. And... We had to reach the decision because we were a small firm. Do you um, always do you try to be a um, a large rod in a, a large pond, or do you go or a lake, or do you go for being a, a small rod in in a small pond? And what we discovered was, and this is how life uh, pans out, uh, that. Um, uh, a whole group of people called kinship carers. So I'm a care lawyer. Uh, kinship carers are who are the grandparents, the unsung heroes uh, of this world, uh, who take on children and still take on children where local authorities have stepped in. We yeah. discovered that um, these grandparents were being uh, comprehensively shafted by uh, local authorities across the country. And uh, 
And what I learned was that you can use the law, use uh, the Human Rights Act, much yep. maligned by the current government, but they are totally unaware of how on a down-to-earth basis you can use Article 8, which is right to family life, to change people's lives. And changing people's lives uh, is done at a family at a time. Say, what's the, yeah. what does the Chinese proverb say? Better to light one candle than complain against the dark. And, uh, uh, and I discovered that um, you can use the law uh, to challenge the, um, the ways in which things are done. And I remember a particular day in court when I was before a high court judge yeah. and the local authority was saying, well, no, this can't be done. And I said, you know, well, yes, it can. And uh, a QC turned to me and said, Nigel, you've taken this as far as you, you could, you know, leave it now. Uh, but the judge said, look, if what Mr. Priest is saying is right, I happen to be, this was a family case, I happen to be a, a sit in the admin court. This was a Thursday, and he said, uh, I'm going to uh, redesignate myself uh, as sitting in the admin court on Monday, and I want you to find a QC, Mr. Priest, and put your case to me then. And um, we, we were able to um, challenge local authorities uh, so that they, firstly, that they paid local authorities, um, they paid, sorry, uh, kinship carers who were foster carers a right equivalent to other foster carers because they do the same job. And then we took it still further uh, because actually uh, they were still being discriminated against. So we had about three judgments, which are the leading judgments uh, to change. Now, that ch when I say it changes lives, I mean, people were getting back payments and still are getting maybe getting back payments of 30,000, pounds that they were owed and fostering allowances, uh, which... Uh, but the battle still goes on. And I think one of the things that I've, uh, that I've learned is that, um, uh, that sometimes, that sometimes <laughs> life is like a minefield, a bit, bit like that. So I think it's a, um, a, a theology, and I think sure. we should apply it a bit more in churches, to, to take a step forward, tap the ground. If it doesn't explode, take another step forward, tap the ground. If it doesn't explode, and just keep on going. Just keep on going, see how far you can get, and uh, and we got and we got a long way. So, firstly, we we took up that work, and then secondly, um, and uh, um, we got a reputation. Mean, we've got a reputation across the country. We, yeah. I'm a um, Sue and I, my wife and I, uh, adopted two children, mm -hmm. and uh, then uh, out of nowhere produced one of our own. But, um, but our experience of adoption and being part of adoption support groups um, taught us that um, uh, uh, adoption is a very good thing and provides real security, it can provide real security, but it can come also with um, uh, quite a lot of challenges and, uh, and we experienced a few. Um, but I think what we've learned is the importance of being able to say to people, for example, who have adopted, and this is a, again, maybe come on to it, but mega challenge for Christians is what do you do when it doesn't work out? And what do you do? Who listens to you? And we live in a blame culture. And um, again, this is, uh, this, this is, might be priestless pet theology, but, in scripture, it talks about um, how we come up against principalities and powers. 
Yeah. And as individuals, I have absolutely no doubt that social workers, social work managers, administrators all come in to work um, with the best of intentions, yeah, wanting to do good and wanting to change. Yeah. Put them into an organisation, poke that, tell that organisation that it's not doing right, and somehow you are against principalities and powers. Yes, and it is a, a battle, and you and uh, and so the people whom we've represented come to us, and by the time they've got to us, their knuckles are cut and bruised and bloody from braying on the door of the local authorities and and other organisations for help, and instead of finding that there is somebody there who says, come in, welcome, uh, oh good and faithful servants, you've done a great job, but we understand <clears throat> we understand the challenge you're facing, so we'll work with you. You know, most of the time, or yeah, much of the time, the people whom I work with are people whose, as I say, are, uh, whose knuckles are dripping with blood, and, uh, and they want to have somebody whom they can firstly tell their story to and not be condemned. And uh, when the great texts uh, in Scripture is, and now there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And so just to expand just for a moment, mm. um, there mm. is good theology about Christians uh, taking on orphans. Yeah, yeah. Many and and particularly again in evangelical churches, many many people step up uh, to do so. But sadly, what there, there, there are three realities. One that um, <clears throat> children who are adopted, uh, particularly if they've been with uh, families for any length of time, um, their emotional and psychological circuitry board has been laid down. Absolutely. And, and, and that's a challenge. The second thing is uh, what happens in the womb. And the third thing is um, genetics. We are good at saying, oh, you know, he's got his dad's eyes or he's got his mum's nose. But what we don't say is, oh, he's got his uh, mum's psychological profile or his dad's. And putting all that lot together means that when... Uh, people come forward to be carers with absolutely the best of intentions. They find themselves caring for a child who, um, whom they want to love, whom they want the very, very best for. But sometimes those children are so damaged, perhaps attachment disorders or, or whatever. And I mean, as it's worse, it can be in the climate of uh, drink, drugs and alcohol, um, domestic violence, uh, uh, fetal alcohol syndrome is something that we're beginning to get a better understanding of. Yeah, yeah. That that people have gone on this road, but it hasn't worked out. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, uh, and sometimes that can be quite calamitous for people. And it's um and it's and it's very hard for Christians to go down this route. I represented a guy who was um, a, a guy and his uh, and his wife, and the, he was a youth worker. Mm -hmm. at, uh, uh, at his local church. And they had taken on a, a, a challenging family, well, they taken a challenging family of three, but one of them was absolutely, uh, uh, was so emotionally 
emotionally and psychologically damaged. She was physically violent on a regular, regular basis, and she was devastating the whole family. And eventually they had to go to social services and say, we cannot, we can cope with these two, but we cannot meet the needs of the child. And the needs of this child are damaging the whole unit. When they said that, his church said, um, but what becomes of the principle of, you know, this child's going, you're saying this child needs to go back into care. Yes. Well, but aren't we about welcoming, you know, didn't Jesus say welcome all little children to come to them? And, you know, you, it's a terrible thing you're doing, asking them to go back. And he had to resign as a youth leader. Oh. Now, you know, it carried enough um, guilt. They carry enough guilt in them because of their own, what they perceive as their own failings as a parent. But we are, you know, it was, uh, I think it was Philip Yancey. Philip Yancey once said, he said, even Jellicles love it, love the verse which says, Jesus came uh, with grace and truth. And he said, um, uh, uh, we love truth, he said, 38,000 Protestant denominations, a confirmation how much we uh, uh, love to disagree over the truth. He said, would that we had that same commitment to grace. <laughs> and so grace, uh, grace is what we need. Yeah. That's a very long answer. No, I, I, honestly, that's so helpful. I, I mean, because just as a summary for me, just processing what you shared, you've, as a, as a legal expert, you've you've used your personal experience fueled by your faith of of justice to say look this isn't on and so you've you're doing you know what does it look like for the kingdom of god to be revealed is that you're bringing better shalom into scenarios that it's not fair um now interestingly the scripture doesn't really talk much about that Maybe in the Old Testament, we could probably find stories, but in the New Testament, there aren't many stories. And yet what you're doing is intrinsically the spirit of Christ, the spirit of shalom, the spirit of, of equity and inclusion and fairness. I mean, it, it, it and nobody could yes. say that. Yeah, I mean, the, I mean, the Old Testament is stuff full of, you know, Isaiah 58. Oh, good and bad. Uh, Let's be quite uh, honest with you. you There's know, a lot of bad in the Old Testament. Yeah, I know, but, you know, Whereby, where do we ever hear a preacher say, preachers talk about removing the heavy yoke of oppression? <laughs> you know, feed the hungry. Well, we can do that and those are in trouble. But, um, you know, share your food with the hungry and give shelter to the homeless. Give those. But we're good at the, we're good at the, uh, <clears throat> we're good at meeting those sorts of needs. Mm. Yeah, true. But, but, but we're not good at removing the heavy yoke of oppression. You know, um, and that sort that sort of thing. So, so, yeah. so, but what you know, what's the kingdom look like? Yeah. Somebody said. Somebody said to me, um, Nigel, have you seen? Uh, do you see the hand of God in your life? You see? And I said, uh, only in the rearview mirror. And and I think um, what we are called to do is. Um, is to be attentive and, and to make decisions. I mean, it's very rare that you have that, that sense of warm glow when, when things have worked out. But when you're able to, um, to change things, and if you believe, now, do we believe that uh, God is the creator? The answer to that is yes, we do. We do believe that, that God is the creator. Yeah. But, but do we believe that God is 
the creator and is creating by which i mean yeah, that that he, that he that he keeps on you know uh, that he keeps on um, uh, creating and, and and wanting us to do to do things i was uh, i was um uh, i was uh, 70 uh, last week oh, and um, a woman i'd represented in 2009 she was an aunt and we had battled for her to get the care of uh, i think two one or two children, I can't remember which. Anyway, sort of kept in touch. And when it was so, uh, as we all know, on, on, on Facebook pages, these things pop up for your birthdays. And uh, this particular woman that's, uh, sent uh, me this very warm uh, response. And, but, but she said this um, uh, uh, about, uh, about uh, something I'd done. She said, forever in your debt, Getting involved with you changed my life forever and turned me into the feisty person I am now. I'm still fighting for what's right with the various issues, and my, my, my determination is all is all down uh, to you. Which was very very kind of her, mm. but that sense actually of being able to empower people to take up uh, to take up issues, uh, empowering people to to actually face up to local authorities, empowering people to, uh, to challenge them about um, shortfalls, you know, shortcomings, yeah. Uh, yeah. Is, is, a, is it seems to me a very kingdom thing to do. Well, it's, it's in Ephesians 4. You're enabling the saints for acts of service. I mean, and I, I love that, that we've, we've basically... We've actually modernised, and, and what you've been saying, uh, if, 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 the, if, you know, you have your prophet, you have your apostle, you have your priest and that sort of thing. And we've been very uh, binary in a saying it, they only stick within church office scenarios. But you, yours is an apostolic, prophetic thing. And, and the prophetic influences the apostolic. You know, the, the, the prophetic comes in, but the, the apostolic is, and this is to, now what do I do with it? And I find that fascinating that you are fueled with a sense of to keep on going, but you see the work of God from the background. However, you don't stop, do you? Because you know that you can see all of the stuff that God has done. So you know that the next step you do, where you're prodding the ground to see if there's a mine or not, you know, because your story is a bit like where David killed that, you know, lions, tigers and bears. He knew when he said came up to said, "Well, of course I'll take on Goliath," because he'd already killed bigger things with with less. So for you, that that there was that moment when you thought, "Well, why not?" Well, just 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 to tell you, we're uh, you know how you stumble across things. We just we stumbled last year. I think last year, a couple of years ago. The fact that um, uh, the Welsh local authorities mm. uh, don't haven't applied some of the just judgments from uh, from England. And they say, oh, it's, it's blind whales. And, um, and so that, I mean, I don't want to get complicated, but basically foster carers get the basic allowance, which is a cost of caring for the child. Mm. But they also get payment on top, which is why they become foster carers. Right. And so there's level one, level two, level three payments. And basically they had, their policies were totally discriminatory. They, they, would, they only paid the basic allowance to kinship carers, to related carers. We've just uh, we just embarked. We last year we last year we embarked on a series of judicial reviews, and 
it looks like the whole of the Welsh uh, local authorities are, are changing their policies. Now, we couldn't have seen that. No. We couldn't have seen that uh, uh, being the outcome. But, but I think what I, what I would try to say is that each of us can be, can be creative mm. and that there is no, um, there, there, sh there, there, there should be no uh, hold, holding back. And I suppose I've got, you know, I was a trustee of the Family Rights Group, which is, you know, a, a secular organisation, but which I was a trustee for 12 years. Uh, um, and that is about being on, alongside kinship carers mm. and uh, uh, changing, again, the way government uh, views them. It's a lobbying organisation and it looks at lots of things. You know, our, our role is not to be... Um, hiding in our own sort of Christian corner. Oh, it's, yeah. it, it, it really is to, to try to be uh, try to be salt and light um, it, with, and, and remarkably you know we can we can bring about change but it's, it's having that way so when you said to me the scriptures say uh, in the New Testament mm. um, well, maybe not quite so explicitly, but you do darn well think that Jesus, was, when he was talking about the kingdom, he was not talking about something, you know, what was it, uh, the old adage, pie in the sky when you die. Yeah, yeah. He was wanting He was wanting to see us be different. Yes. I mean, so, so I know that there's, I mean, th this this whole podcast, you know, it, it's, it's, its title is seasoned for, and then it's purpose, transformation, influence, uh, etc. But it's a journey. It's a. It has to start somewhere. Um, and it's the small things that that actually are the formative things, aren't they? It's the small the things, wins. Yes, it is. Um, and I, you know, I've, I, 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 I've been fortunate. Call it what you will. I mean, we. We set up, um, I became president of the Hubsfield Law Society. And I thought, God, I can't, I mean, I'm not great at uh, committees. I mean, I do, I do that. Like, you know, I've been on more PCCs than I've, uh, than I know. Uh, but, but that's earned your MBE just for that. <laughs> indeed. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, but we, in 2002, we set up uh, a twinning link with the Uganda Law Society. Right. And, um, uh, and initially they said, well, which, which is from Huddersfield, this is, this is the mouse that roared. And, uh, well, you know, you don't get individual law sites twinning with country law sites. But actually what happened, and, and what happened was that um, we started doing some training, we sent books across, and we started training 25 lawyers uh, at the last, um, before the pandemic, um, we would have, 200 lawyers come. We must have trained over, uh, wow. and we always made it. And this is absolutely critical that there, should, there were four trainers, two men, two women, and yeah. we always ensured that at least one of them was uh, a young lawyer because we wanted to try and impact on them. But yeah. when we began, it was it was uh, men in dark suits and women coming up against uh, a ceiling, and um, uh, and so. Uh, and that's just about when, but we run it for because because people get older and because the pandemic really 
and also because Uganda has changed. When we began, um, it was yeah. a very different country. It's now got a developing uh, middle class. Yeah. Um, um, and, you know, we've learned we've, we've a lot. You know, we have to, we have to confront in all of us mm. the extent to which our faith uh, just sits on top of our prejudice and yes. our uh, uh, and uh, uh, and our cultural and our cultural values. It, you know, we we wrestle, and we don't perhaps wrestle now. But you know, we what was it in Rwanda that could take one of the world, one of the world's most Christianized countries, uh, and have the massacres? You no. Know, and I, so I say to myself, um, to what extent does my faith still influence who I am? Yeah. Because you know, I, you know, I am sure that there is so much within me that that that, that still needs to be to be changed. But I think we, you know, we 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 make a we keep making a whole set of assumptions about yeah, yeah. what. And I think uh, you and I are both involved in um, uh, city vision. Yeah. And um, one of the and this is about about using cities to see to bring about the kingdom. Yeah. Yeah. The test for us is what does that kingdom look like? Yeah. Yeah. I think our theology is often so shaped around what what I call the echo chamber of our own little worlds and negates to see. As you say, uh, what does grace look like? What does mercy look like? What does kindness look like? What does what does a welcoming God? I mean, the fact is, Jesus was the most inclusive, the most welcoming of all people, irrespective of their background. You know, and and I think for me, you know, that, that why the red letter Christians are such a and their movement such an important movement is because they say yes. We will read scripture, but through the lenses of what Christ said and what he did. For me, I think John 8, John 8, uh, I think it's John 8, isn't it? The woman uh, caught in adultery. Yeah. yeah. Um, you think of that 2,000 years ago. Goodness me. And you, the woman is thrown before them and perhaps naked. And, you know, neither do I condemn you. Yeah. Go and sin no more. And there, if there was, if there was, <laughs> and I know it was a question mark, perhaps about where, about uh, about it. Always come in italics in some Bibles, but actually, that is the most. When we think how down the generations we have taught, we have treated women, how we, how the the condemnation of. Uh, of of people caught in relationships and so on. Yeah. Um, and there is Jesus writing in the sand, let him who uh, is without sin cast the first stone. Yeah, yeah. And I think, you know, I think we, it's one of the great sadnesses to me that, that, that we don't get across to people uh, just how non, you know, non-condemnatory actually jesus was and how you know, how he didn't just ooze he poured grace yeah and 
you know, he challenges us. You know, the story of the prodigal son is oh. still the most incredible story of saying, Dad, you know, I want you to die, I want your money now. And then and then and, and then burnt it all and then comes back. You know, yeah. that challenges everything within us. Everything within us as human beings. And yet that is the picture. Yeah. I used to be a divorce. I used to be a divorce. Yeah. And this this idea that somehow it was better for relationships to grumble on. Yeah. Um, rather than saying, you know, if you've got two people who care about and are supportive of one another, who bring out the best in one another, mm -hmm. who, who give security, who... You know, quite often I, you know, I come across uh, through because we don't just do adoption disruption. We do all adoption. You know, there's a lot of uh, couples who are who are taking on very challenging children. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and you know, we lose. We there, there is a danger, and once again, you know, there is a danger. I mean, one of the one of the amazing things about, for example, Uganda. A friend of mine is a, a social worker in Uganda. Yeah. And he's been in a relationship for three years. Sorry, sorry, he's been in a relationship for 11, 11 years, got three children. Finally, a member of the community, and I said, why aren't you married? He said, because if I get married, he said, the father-in-law will expect a car. We've got, you know, because uh, you've still got, you know, we've got to give ex-head of, uh, ex of uh, cows and so on. The, mm -hmm. the dowry system is still in a limited degree uh, there. Great. This is this is two thousand. This is two thousand twenty-one. I was speaking to him, but but the church doesn't say, "Oh, we can't live together." You know, um, you know, they just they just accept that that's how it is because people can't afford the weddings because you know weddings might cost six. They invite expected to invite six hundred people. Isn't that funny? And it's you know where do we? What are the lines that, that, that we pick? I mean, it, the, the the reality is too often is that the church is behind the curve, not ahead of the curve, mm -hmm. and and it's it's a challenge. It seems to me it's a, we should always be thinking. You know, we 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 look back on those things which were the battles. You know, the transubstantiation, the infant baptism, things that people killed each other over. And we look back and say, what was all that about? Yeah, yeah. So yeah. what is it? What is it going to be? In our current generation, we love to say, we love to say, um, look at um, look at Wilberforce, look at the people. But who is our Wilberforce of the uh, of this century? You know, who who are the people now who are uh, standing up and saying this is not right? For example, these tax rises. You know, I don't want to get controversial, but who is going to stand up uh, and say, this is not how society should be organised? Well, the, the, the answer to that question is those people are there. You know, there, there are the Nigel Priestleys in this world. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, they are there. I think from a, a very one-on-one um, -on -one basis, uh, I, for, for me... You know, you, you know, you, you mentioned this thing about Arminianism and Calvinism, and we've I've seen churches split on it. You know, I've just seen horrendous behaviors. And you think is that is that a spirit of love? No, that's just being right or wrong. It's stupid. And and then and then you refer to a whole thing around um, uh, how how do we 
how do we live with with people who have have had challenging backgrounds so you know when, when it comes to the fostering and children and young people and they've got a whole plethora of challenges and then that 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 youth worker who you took, mentioned and how he was treated which was wrong how he was yep. treated was wrong and yet i know that personalities get triggered because one uh you know it is widely accepted that the myers-briggs is helpful it's widely even more widely accepted that the enneagram personality thing is also incredibly recognized as a way of understanding people yeah it's not written in, in the bible is it and you go okay so do we then ignore modern uh, social you know psychological uh, science and so on and so forth and the answer is no of course not but and i think for me this is where uh, where we get undone is that we become either arrogantly ignorant and we think that essentially it's all about proclamation. When reality, Jesus said, go and transform this, the, your space of influence, because that's what the Romans did when they came to your, your country and they made it Roman. What you did with your job is that you realize the kingdom of God is justice and fairness. And I think, I mean, I'm in a time a little bit running out. Uh, I, I'm, I'm interested, I think it's Pete Gregg on his Twitter says, the, is, uh, increasingly bewildered pastor, I think is what, <laughs> what he describes himself as. Yeah. <clears throat> and I've just finished reading uh, Philip Yance's uh, autobiography. Yeah. And I think what we, you know, I think what I've learned really is that we have to keep on, we have to keep on learning. Um, That's right. That's right. Uh, one of the, one of the books, um, uh, that really helped us. Everything happens for a reason by Kate Bowler. You know, we and she was you know, when she was di diagnosed with cancer. Yeah. And uh, you know, people always say, oh, these things happen for a reason. Oh, but actually, you know, and I think I, I, I think we can have we can have a certainty uh, in a land of uncertainty because I think we increase. You know, there. Are, I, I I am I am still learning and i still want you know there are not straightforward answers life it, we, we, it was uh, you know like i say to my clients at times you know sometimes you turn a page and it's a blank sheet of paper and it just says along the bottom you're on your own pal <laughs> and um you know we have to write scripts sometimes and um, but those scripts might be informed but it's it's learning and and and, and you know and, and and not not condemning and because people are you know we're in faith are trying to find a way through trying to find ways of explaining at times the inexplicable as somebody somebody once said to me he said Nigel you uh, uh you thought you were being called to you know stand for parliament I said yeah I did you know like slightly unusual the way I got to stand and they said do you think God was uh reading his newspaper when uh, people were voting <laughs> <laughs> and, and i knew what she meant you know this idea that at times you know you, you think you're on a particular course of action which looks as if it's but then suddenly it just doesn't turn out the way uh, uh you you thought he was going to do yeah and that, and that, is, life. Life. Yeah. that is the hu the human condition so just just as we're just coming to an end you know you've hit 70 you are still as sprightly as ever 
Um, no, you are, honestly. Um, and I think this, this, this metaphor of you keep on prodding the ground, why do you keep on doing it? Why do you keep prodding the ground to see if, if, if it's safe to take that next step? Why do you do it? Why do you do it? Because I think um, I might say, you know, I'm, I'm fortunate at times with the voice of the voiceless. Because I think, but I do think it's, it's, it does go back to better to light one candle. Uh, it is about um, that each day somebody will come to us with a story to tell and feeling hopeless. Mm. So in that regard, I, uh, I want to say, look, there is hope. Uh, there is no condemnation. You, there's nothing you can tell me because of our own experience as well. There is nothing you can tell me which is going to shock me. Just be honest uh, with me. So that's the first thing is, is that, you know, I want, but secondly, I, I still, in, I still do want, I still do want to see uh, change. Um, I can, and I, uh, not settled, about life that you, yeah. that you come in on act two of the play and you leave in act four and the play is still going on. Well, I'd like to, uh, uh, as I leave in act four, I, I'd like to think that, that some of the, you know, that, that, that some of the things that I've done uh, have, have meant that what was going to happen to the characters in act five uh, will now be different. So, uh, but I just think that God has, you know, I, you know we're, we're just lining up to do an alpha course in church. I think, you know, people coming to faith is the most fantastic thing. Yeah. But that it doesn't stay within you. You yeah. then, you know, you it, it sets you, you know, puts you back in touch with how you're meant to be. But then it says, right, God says, then right, come on, then get on with it. And and for everybody, that getting on with it will be something different, isn't it? In the line the witch from the wardrobe, right in the last one, the cry as they come in is further in, further in. There's a danger when we come to faith that we sort of come through the door and lurk, lurk around the door when actually uh, God is saying, come on, there's a new country here. Just come and explore it and see what happens. Amazing. Nigel, thank you. Absolutely. <laughs> that was lovely. Okay. Well, thank you very much indeed. So just to say thank you so much for tuning in to this episode. And uh, if you want to catch up with any other episodes, do go on to the Anchor Season 4 um, portal and uh, you'll see all of the other episodes that I've done. Also, check us out on, obviously, iTunes through uh, Apple and with your Android and all of your other different places like Spotify that you get to listen to your podcasts. Equally, if you are someone who uses Twitter, um, we are seasoned for life and um, we have posts of all sorts there and then this is the next new thing if you're really interested why don't you come and join our learning community it's on Facebook it's a group of people who are asking questions about what does it look like to be seasoned for purpose anyway thanks again for listening and uh, we'll look forward to connecting with you next time